a podcast by Vision Point Marketing. Yeah, thank you for joining us today for the Rock and Roll Podcast. I'm Dana Crookshank, Director of Business Development here at Vision Point Marketing. And I am joined today by Anna Chandler on our team. Anna, I will let you introduce yourself, uh, but really excited to have your mind here for this episode. Uh, Anna is our uh, SEO analytics uh, just genius. And so, ha so happy to have her here. Don't mean to set you up, but I'll let you introduce yourself as well. Well, my official title is Director of SEO and Analytics, but I will accept genius moving forward. Okay. I recommend it, um, especially business cards, all sorts of things. So that's great. And you are coming. It's interesting. So Vision Point, for those who don't know, um, we're about 90 odd employees. We're headquartered in Raleigh, Durham, but only about half our company is there. Um, in, in the greater Raleigh area, the rest of us are spread out to the winds. And Anna, you are coming to us from... Where? Kansas, uh, right near Kansas City, also known as the Silicon Valley of the Midwest. So we've got that going for us. Gotcha. And you are in Olathe, right? Is that, do yes. I pronounce that right? Okay. Excellent. I've heard, uh, have never, I've been to Kansas City many a time, but not, uh, never into Olathe or Overland Park. I've heard that in addition to being the Silicon Valley of, of the Midwest, that uh, also like the, the South Asian food capital, perhaps of, of the United States as well. Yeah, we have some delicious local restaurants, which helps make up for the fact that there's nothing else to do here. <laughs> okay, gotcha. It's great. Ringing endorsement. We'll be sure to uh, hashtag at the Olathe Chamber of Commerce on this one as well. We are here, speaking of Twitter, uh, talking about a few other topics here. So it has been a tumultuous time in the Twitter universe. And here we are in early 2023, uh, thinking about uh, Twitter, thinking about what's going on. When you're not in a specific institution or field, you can look at it and see, oh, there are things I would fix. Like yep. I, I can identify problems and I have solutions and they seem very, very reasonable to you. And we're all guilty of that, right? Mm -hmm. But then once you're behind the fence, you can understand, oh, these are why my solutions were never implemented. These are the problems I wasn't aware of. Um, as a principle of Charleston's fence, which refers to the fact that if you find a fence, you shouldn't just destroy it because fences are hard to build. They take a lot of time and material and expense. And so if the fence was put up, it was probably put up for a reason. Now, that doesn't mean you can't destroy it. It doesn't mean that that... Uh, purpose has outlived its usefulness, but we don't want to tear it down before we know for sure. And so I think Elon Musk has been on the speed run of uncovering the fact that Twitter had these rules in place for a reason and undoing them causes a lot of chaos and problems because he just doesn't have that, like, let's get some feedback on that decision before I make it happen. Love that. Love that. Also love when we see these things actually coming to pass in real time. So <laughs> it's been a learning opportunity, if nothing else. Indeed. Let me start off by asking you, what is in your mind, what is the problem, if you will, for higher education brands that have been traditionally advertising on Twitter? So for me, it boils down to the fact that advertising is all about, you know, having the right message in the right place to the right audience at the right time. And right now, Twitter just can't be that right place. And that's for multiple perspectives. So first of all, from brand safety, multiple studies have shown that hate speech rose dramatically after the CEO changeover in October. Things have not really improved since then. 
And that comes with other security issues as well. Like there's a whole verification debacle where like a bunch of companies lost stock money because people were pretending to be them. Twitter has like fired their communications staff. They don't much have a legal team anymore. Security's out the door, huge engineering layoffs. So is the infrastructure even accurate and working? If you have a problem, can it be addressed? Very likely not. Um, And there's really like new problems rolling out every single day, right? Like I was just the other day talking about how you couldn't link to your Mastodon account on Twitter because Twitter was soft blocking those tweets saying you can't promote that new account over there with Twitter being kind of the organic new competitor to Twitter. Um, But after I shared that news in the morning, literally by the evening, Twitter had rolled back that decision because of a potential EU fine. So everything we say today might be out of date by the time we post this, but probably there's going to be a dozen new problems anyway. So there's all of that problem, you know, are you comfortable having your messaging placed within this stream of potential garbage? And then secondly, even if you think, okay, well, I think I can put something out there. I think it'll meet the right audience. Can you trust the data you're getting? Because another thing we've seen since October is a huge rise in clicks and CTR. On the one hand, I mean, that sounds great, right? Who we're getting more traffic, but we saw this not after making any changes, right? We didn't re-optimize something. We didn't change anything that we were doing. All of a sudden things shot up and they shot up dramatically. It wasn't, you know, 100 to 150. It was like 100 to 10 billion, uh, not real numbers, but you get my point. And so this kind of dramatic overnight inflation reads to us as total bot traffic. Now, I can't say that's for sure what's happening, but very much seems like that's the case. And that means we can't trust the data that we're getting from the the Twitter um, campaigns while they were still live. So not a good time to be reaching that audience right now. And even if you are, you're probably not getting the results that you actually want. Gotcha. Or you may be paying for results, it sounds like, that aren't valid. That's interesting. It's interesting to me, too, because uh, Twitter, not ripping on Twitter, just like all the social media channels, um, had been, to use your words, you know, hot streams of garbage, if you will, uh, for quite some time. But it sounds like, um, whereas in before, there were some guardrails and moderation happening for, um, for the more odious piles of garbage, and we'll just leave it at that. Uh, that could cause some real threats to a brand. Um, it seems like that level of moderation just isn't isn't there anymore um, yeah, or has yeah. declined. I don't want to paint Twitter as a historic utopia uh, that suddenly crashed in October. There were longstanding problems, but there were also a lot of great things that the platform accomplished and allowed people to do. And those good things have largely been shipped away in my opinion. And it's not just higher ed, right? I mean, I've, I've heard stories of, of other areas, but it's not just higher ed pulling back from Twitter, right? Yeah, there were major advertising companies that recommended their clients pull back on advertising, including like blue chip companies like Coca-Cola. So Twitter has been seeing a huge dive in ad revenue. Um, in fact, if you want to experiment with this at home, search for 
Twitter advertising and you'll see ads from every single other social media platform out there like LinkedIn or Reddit saying, hey, Twitter's not great. Come advertise with us now instead. Ooh, ooh, that is that is rough. Um, so let me ask you, were there any trends that you are, have seen or are familiar with um, where Twitter has worked particularly well for higher education institutions in the past? Yeah, so I would say that Twitter has been really great from a brand awareness perspective. Um, and I say that to, to make sure that we're clear about the goals of Twitter. So it hasn't ever been a conversion driver. And that's not something that you should expect it to provide. If you need leads and that's the only thing you're going for, then Twitter before or post Musk is not the solution. However, if you're wanting to gain brand awareness, which is really important for those leads, right? We need to get that awareness out there before people are ready to engage. Then Twitter has been really successful. I mean, it's where a lot of people go to get the news that they're looking for to browse. And Twitter has offered a lot of, you know, advertising potential with targeted audiences. We can go after the specific field that we're looking at. In fact, Twitter offers some reporting capabilities that other platforms don't have. Like, for example, we can see what language uh, people use on Twitter. And therefore, we can get a look at like, would Spanish-focused ads make sense for these campaigns? Is there enough of an audience there to support that? And that information just isn't available on other platforms, which has been um, really great. Mm -hmm. And it's also been useful as an organic perspective, too. Um, we don't run organic campaigns here at Vision Point Marketing, but we've seen that a lot of colleges and especially academics use Twitter to get their name out there and yes. just have conversations. I always love to Twitter's API has been famously open for so many years. Uh, when I was in public health school, we used to use the Twitter API to track outbreaks of things like norovirus, uh, which is mm -hmm. to say the the famous stomach bug. Uh, the the uh, people would talk about, "Hey, I'm vomiting. Hey, I'm you know having those other uh, gastric symptoms." We'll we'll say. Uh, people do tweet about this sort of thing. Uh, and with a little natural language processing, you're able to distinguish between someone saying, "Oh, I can't believe how bad." this uh, Lady Gaga performance is I'm puking versus like, oh my gosh, I just got home from work and I can't keep anything down, uh, so forth. So a little grosser, but you could actually very accurately track outbreaks, uh, which is useful for emergency rooms uh, and others to know like, hey, this okay. We're going to get a whole bunch of cases of this coming in right away. Um, so again, it is, it is a shame what we used to be able to do with Twitter. But. Yeah, it is. I mean, I think Twitter has historically been a really important platform for a lot of people, um, you know, individuals, communities, nations, even. And so I am sad to see what's been happening to it. I mean, I'll be honest, I have been looking at Twitter more often since this garbage fire started than I probably have in all of Twitter's history, just because it's been so darkly fascinating to see what comes out day after day, but it is a huge loss, even ignoring the advertising part of the question. So here we are. Twitter is in this unfortunate crossroads, we'll politely say. Um, it's not a place of brand safety. It's not a place where uh, it, many institutions feel comfortable advertising right now. Yet, to as you said, it has been a very useful, especially an awareness channel for a lot of institutions. What do we do now? What's What's our call? So we started off with immediately pausing campaigns to see if it was going to be like a short-term crisis that we could weather. 
so far uh, signs are pointing to it's definitely not short term and it's likely to be long term. So I would say if you haven't paused yet, you might want to consider carefully doing so. But then the question becomes, are you holding on to those campaigns to relaunch them when you think they're good to go? Or can we do something else with that budget? And I think because of the ongoing instability of the platform, we don't want to waste campaign money by sitting on it for too long now, right? Because it's this has been us since October. We're now in December slash January. And those months are really important for higher education advertising. So can we then move that campaign budget into another platform that is going to deliver on the results that we want? So of what specific you know platforms we want to choose. I mean, I hesitate to make a blanket recommendation because it is always going to be so custom to um, the client's specific goals and needs and desires. But since it's a, Twitter's been an awareness channel historically, other top of funnel channels would be a great place to move to. You know, you're meeting that same kind of audience, you're meeting the same awareness focus. So things like YouTube or responsive display or programmatic or all other top of funnel um, opportunities. And specifically for Twitter, we often see a younger audience on that platform. So social media sites like Snapchat, or Spotify or TikTok, if you still have TikTok available in your state, can also be great ways to meet that specific audience. That that's interesting. Well, that's that is really helpful. Think about this from a metric standpoint, because I know reporting and metrics is a big part of your wheelhouse here at Vision Point. And uh, well, you're a genius at it. And I said that at the top of the hour, and I stand by that. So, what are kind of the go-to metrics that you think uh, people should have been tracking on Twitter? And what are the metrics now in this sort of uh, Twitter paused environment that we should be um, looking at as we try to replace Twitter uh, with other channels? Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, this is a podcast. So I just want to make clear that every time you call me a genius, I shake my head no vehemently in embarrassment. She does. So, can't can confirm. Can't confirm. The audience yes. knows. Um, so because it's an awareness channel, we look at our impression count, clicks, and CTR. So that's click-through rate. How many out of that pool of impressions, how many people are clicking? And so then you can compare those metrics to your other platforms. I would, though, go a step further and look at that in accordance to the specific audience that you're targeting. So by demographic, um, by the specific focus of your campaign, like a specific program, let's say, or audience like traditional undergraduates. Uh, and then by geographic region, you know, what locations are you targeting? That way you can make sure is my new account on my new platform comparable to the one on Twitter for this specific group of people I want to reach and not just overall do impressions and clicks and CTR line up. Um, because those are those can be such broad numbers that they don't really tell the important story. Switching gears a little bit. Um shifting gears, we shift. You can switch gears, but shifting is really the verb. Thinking about Google Analytics 4, you did a great webinar for uh, Vision Point uh, a few months back on Google Analytics 4 uh, and higher education, what it is, why you should switch over, what, what you should be doing right now and so forth. And uh, if you're listening to this, if you go to our website, visionpointmarketing.com, or if you reach out to us, info at visionpointmarketing.com, we can get you a link to that webinar because it was, it was fabulous. 
Um, but it's been a few months. And uh, that looming deadline of GA4 is is coming ever closer. What What is the deadline and what happens at that deadline? So that deadline is July 1st of 2023. So this year. And when that deadline passes, what happens is that your current analytics account, the universal analytics, no longer receives any information. It's a dead account. And in fact, um, in the future, past that July 1st deadline, uh, Google is also going to close all of those universal analytics accounts. So you won't only not be getting new data, eventually you'll lose all of it. So we obviously want to get everyone prepared well ahead of time so that we have a record of what's been happening on the website. And that's important not only for advertising campaigns, but just to see how are you doing on the internet? You know, so many of your prospective and current students and prospective and current faculty use the website. It's really important to understand how are we showing up from an organic perspective? What kind of content is really engaging to people? Where are users coming from? What mix of marketing channels, whether that's SEO organic or paid advertising are really important. And we want to see how that's happening ongoing. So if we set it up now, we have at least, you know, those, those six months of data saved so that we can look back historically on what's occurred. It's also helpful to get that set up ahead of time because GA4 is very, very different from the way you're used to analytics looking. Uh, for better or for good, it looks different. It's very different to use. And the way that it calculates data has even changed. So instead of a session-based model, it's now an events-based model. So if you're used to logging into analytics and immediately pulling up this report of, you know, what's my bounce rate, you're not going to have that same kind of reporting capability ready for you. And so I want to make sure that people feel comfortable with the new platform. They understand what the data says and how to use it so that they can be making decisions moving forward instead of, you know, what if last minute we get this set up for you, you log in the next day and you're like, oh my gosh, what is this? I don't know how to use it. Then you have that learning curve before you can start making strategic decisions. That makes a ton of sense. And it's interesting because when you did that webinar a few months ago, we talked about that July, 2023 deadline and that deadline, given how consequential uh, this switchover is going to be, it's not like TSA with the real ID, which I, I'm starting to think that is never going to actually happen because they keep pushing it back. This is really going to happen, and it's going to happen in July. Now, you said, let's get started, but any other imperatives? Like, what do people need to do right now in January 2023? You got six months to go. We want to get that six-month data, ideally. Um Look, higher ed marketers have been overwhelmed enough uh, recently. Uh, we were just talking about Twitter and so forth. Uh, e even in that state of, oh my gosh, this is this is pretty overwhelming. What what can we do right now? Uh, what is what is our best kind of first steps? So there's really two steps to uh, getting GA four set up. One is just creating the account. And then the other step is putting everything that you want in it. So making sure you're tracking all of the important things on your website, things like an RFI form or an application click. 
That second step, customizing it to your needs can be difficult and complicated and does take some educated resources like a web person or the analytics team here at Vision Point. But that first step, just creating the account is honestly pretty easy and does not take much time. Like if you log into your analytics account, you'll see that Google is trying to help you <laughs> to get this done. And it'll have a big button right at the top that says set up GA4. You click on that, you follow a few steps, it exists. It's not perfect, but it exists. And so getting that done means that although you don't have everything you need before the deadline, you at least have something. So, and I and I have also, you know, know how overwhelmed and busy everyone is, but if you can carve out like a 15 minute coffee break to get this set up, you'll be much, much more prepared and ready because I don't want people to keep pushing this to the bottom of a to-do list because that to-do list is so overwhelming and then end up in an emergency where they have lost things that they cannot recover because analytics doesn't go back in time to report on data, right? So if you don't get this set up until like, let's say September, you can't find out what happened in between July and September. That data mm. is just gone forever. Mm. Okay. So let's say I, I take my 15 minute coffee break and I set everything up, which is great ahead of time. Can I still live and work in GA3? Or am I now, have I now stepped across the multiverse and I'm in this new dimension of GA4? Yeah, great question. So your universal analytics account will still exist. Okay. And you can use that to compare the information too, right? So out of the old platform data I'm used to, what does that look like in the new one? Does this align properly? What out of that old account do I want to transition into the new one? So things like making sure your Google Ads accounts are cross-referenced or creating those events I discussed a minute ago. And you can keep looking at Universal Analytics after that July deadline. It just won't have any new information in it. I just want to make sure that, again, you have that plan to download it and save it before those accounts are deleted forever. Google, unfortunately, is not offering a way to transfer your universal analytics information over to your new account. So there's not like an import button where you're like, oh. aha, I have all five years of data transferred over. I frankly suspect that Google can't provide one because the data is so different. It's not like an apples to apples transfer over, right? And you, so you can't you can, we're not moving the, the contents of a shoebox to a new shoebox. We're moving the contents of a shoebox to a mansion and hoping it looks nice. Okay, that, that makes sense. That makes perfect yeah. sense. Uh, and so because of that, since there's not that important functionality and one probably can't exist, we do have to save that old data manually if you ever want to look back in time and see what was happening. So just go ahead and get it set up. So what you're telling me, it's not that hard to do. It won't take long. What happens though, if I'm just, I'm just a higher ed marketer and I have been a higher ed marketer uh, for many years. So I, I, no shade cast on anyone. I try to set this thing up and I, I get something wrong. I, there's a setting that wasn't right or so forth. Could I work with a partner? Could I work with a vendor? Could I work with my web person, whoever that expert is? That, that one colleague of mine on campus who actually understands this thing, can I work with them later to, you know, fix the settings essentially? Um, yeah. If, if I messed it up. Okay. 
Absolutely. And there are some things that you, you might get in there and see a setting and not know, do I need this or not? And that's perfectly fine. You can make that decision months and months and months down the road and change it then because analytics is an ongoing evolution of features, right? We're, we're constantly creating new reports here because the data that we want to see and investigate changes over time. The only downside would be um, not setting it up again with that event tracking in place. That can be done later, absolutely, if, if we don't have the capabilities right now. But again, we'll lose that historical reference. And then on July, if we still don't have it set up, we won't have that event tracking in place. So then we won't know all of the conversions that are happening on the website. Gotcha. Okay. So this really, it sounds like just get it set up. You can then... Uh, won't take long, won't be too painful. You can make tweaks uh, in, in the coming months to make sure everything's set up. You can still see your universal analytics data all the way through uh, until that magic day in July when it uh, all gets lost. But the important thing is just get started now uh, and work on it. It also seems to me like if if you get started now and you start, you set up that account, you've taken that first step. First of all, it's not quite as daunting. Um, and then you do really have, you truly have six months to get it set up how you need it, to start to understand what these functionalities are, are going to be able to do for you and so forth. Won't be, won't be quite such a shock to the system. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And Google to their credit is trying to make the process as easy as possible. And they keep rolling out new features to help people with the transition, um, like importing old settings into the new one. That is, that is certainly, that is actually like really reassuring to be honest with you Yeah. that, um, yeah, cause it's been kind of scary and I understand the stakes are pretty high. Anytime you start talking about losing data, losing those contexts, that that's a big deal, but mm -hmm. any final thoughts on either of these topics? Go ahead and take action. If you haven't, I know with Twitter and G4, you've got a lot going on. Change can be hard to deal with. It's not always, doesn't always feel like the most doesn't always feel like the top priority out of everything that you have happening. But I think with both, when we take action, we put ourselves on a stronger place for the future. So with Twitter, you know, really consider, do I want to pause my campaigns? And if so, can I use that money somewhere else versus just losing out on that opportunity? It doesn't mean that you have to delete your account and never open it again. Maybe Twitter will get better in the future, but it's not a great place right now. So do you really feel safe there? And with G4, again, just take action now, even if you can't get it fully set up and have everything that you want, having at least a GA4 property ensures that you will have some data before that deadline and makes all of those additional changes and tweaks a lot easier to do. Okay, great. Anna Chandler, our director of SEO and analytics here at VisionPoint. Um, really appreciate this conversation. One last question, going to put you on the spot. Best Indian restaurant in Olathe, go. India Palace, technically in Overland Park, but it is so good. So I'm claiming Overland Park is ours. Okay. Okay. You didn't even hesitate. Like you had that answer ready. So I appreciate that. I go there and eat their vegetarian samosas every year for my birthday. It's my birthday treat. Wow. That's a, that's a ringing endorsement. Love that. So, all right. And also no hesitation uh, recommending that folks uh, pause Twitter and Get that GA4 account at least set up right now uh, here in early 2023. So really appreciate you 
uh, taking the time to talk with us. And if anybody wants to follow up, uh, you can reach out to us at info at visionpointmarketing.com. That's a long email address, but again, it's info at visionpointmarketing.com uh, or visit us at visionpointmarketing.com on the web and uh, click click the Let's Chat button and uh, we can further this conversation along. So uh, again, appreciate it on it and have a great week. You too. Thanks so much.